Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast. That's what you're listening to. You knew that already. Modern Tales of an Ancient Pursuit. Four Ways to Wreck or Weaken Your Marriage. It's another bright, lively show. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. My name is Randy Cantrell. I'm your host here. Thursday, March 24, 2022. That's today's show. I used to number episodes and I stopped doing that. Hundreds of episodes ago, I stopped doing that. Probably should go back and figure out what the number is and just for my own sake you could care less of course four ways to wreck or weaken your marriage i like i could have probably just put one i probably could have worked at it and listed 14 or 24 or 104 it's kind of like the paul simon song 50 way it was it 50 ways to leave your lover yeah well let's do it No, let's not leave them. Let's talk about wrecking or weakening our marriage, though. Now, before you don't continue to listen, time out, pause. No, don't hit pause. Just pause your brain for a moment. Kick the hamster off the wheel for a second and hear me out. All of us have the experience of learning how not to do things. Maybe as much or more so than learning how to do things. You have experienced this likely as a first time worker. I don't mean your career. I mean, when you were a kid, I mean, that first job that you had, whatever it was, you likely learned how not to do things like how the boss behaved. You likely thought to yourself, man, one day, if I'm ever the boss, I'm not going to do that, right? I mean, so we learned how not to do it. Yes, I understand that we learned how to walk and talk and use a fork by mimicking people in our family, but there's a ton of things that we have learned how to do things by seeing what not to do. That is, we have learned it in the negative. Now, you know me, I'm a big fan of sarcasm and snarkiness. And I've got a number of books here in the yellow studio. I've loaned them out evidently, and I have a feeling I know where they are. And (laughs) do you hear this? Better not play it too much or I'll get dinged for it. That is my voicemail notification. Merle Haggard phone was on silent. How can the phone be on silent? Oh, because it's not on silent. Very odd. So I get a phone call and somebody leaves me a voicemail message. Well, my voicemail notification is Merle Haggard singing Mama Tried. So there's that. Sorry, pardon the interruption. Where was I? Operator, would you trace this call and tell me where I am? 
Uh, we were talking about learning things in the negative, learning how not to do things. I've got a number of books in my library written by um, very clever, sarcastic, mostly guys, satirical kind of material, like how to how to self-destruct your career. And they're very clever. They're very funny. I've got a number of books kind of like that. Very clever, very funny, very well done, and laugh out loud in many cases, but extraordinarily true, extraordinarily accurate. I mean, you get down to it, and it's like, yeah, that's true. That's completely true. It, it's laugh out loud funny, but completely true. I don't know if today's going to be laugh out loud funny. It might be. I mean, well, let, let's see. Let's see. So a bit of satire, a bit of sarcasm, but underlying this whole thing, a ton of truth, a ton, a ton of truth. That formula, by the way, of learning things in reverse. Um, any area of life that it doesn't apply to? I can't think of any. I mean, for instance, you can ask somebody what they want uh, and you can get just a ton of hesitation. A super easy thing is if there's a, a group of people and you're trying to figure out what kind of food you're going to go eat and you start bringing up one kind of cuisine only to have somebody shoot, oh, no, no, I don't, I don't want that. Oh, what about this? Oh, you know, we had that, we had that two days ago. <laughs> it's proof that you can ask people what they want and you get a lot of hesitation as they attempt to figure it out or you can ask them what they don't want and you will probably instantly get a lengthy answer it's like well i don't know what i want but here's what i don't want this that and the other i mean it turns out that we can more easily identify what we don't want or things we hate or things that we that we know won't work or we don't think will work. Again, it's that learning it in the negative, which is why I decided to craft today's show by looking at the negative instead of saying, okay, four ways to enhance, four ways to strengthen your marriage. Nobody's going to, nobody's going to listen to that anyway. <laughs> well, probably because people are going to go, well, I already know how to do that, you know, or I think I do. I don't know if we look at marriage in reverse, rather than leaning into a more positive approach, I suspect that, well, number one, I suspect that we can make it a little bit more entertaining. And I also think that we can kind of flip the script, hopefully during our conversation and our time together. And here's the big call to action that we just might be able to figure out a way to improve our marriages. I, I hear you. I hear you. Not interested in that. <laughs> okay, we'll bully for you. Oh, I've heard people say that out loud. And it's not because the marriage was great and wonderful. It's just because uh, it's, it's not very good. It's not wonderful, and it's fine. Yeah, we'll get around to that. Now, this is far from an exhaustive list. Come on, it's four. Uh, let me challenge you to use your imagination. Try to add to it. Uh, maybe your own real life can apply. I mean, I would hope not, but 
the likelihood, the likelihood is there are things that you could think about and say, well, man, I can, I can add two or three really good ones to that list and get it up to seven. It's not exhaustive. I'm not trying to make it exhaustive. You know, you can read a ton of information about marriages, including what it takes to make a great marriage. You can read a ton of stuff about why marriages fail. Uh, I started to link up. I started to share some links of, of the various sites that I visited in preparing for the episode. And that's probably an overstatement to say preparing for the episode. I mean, that implies that I've done a, a ton of research. I, I have not. I've read a number of things, and I've read a number of things through the years, but I figured, you know, you got Google. Just Google whatever interests you. Google great marriages. Google horrible ma- I don't. Google whatever you want to Google. And then you can devote however many hours you want to that effort, just kind of like I have. I will go ahead and forewarn you that you're going to become exhausted before you ever exhaust your search results because it's going to be page after page after page after page after page after page of depressing stuff. Well, mostly. Well, if you're searching for how to wreck your marriage. Now, permit me to offer you this preface. Um, and I'm not even sure if it's going to be true, but I'm going to, I'm going to preface it this way. Anyway, that some of these four things are going to be generic and others might be more specific, but come on, there's only four. So how generic or specific you want to get the goal is to provoke you to elevate your willingness to help your marriage become great. Now, if you're not up for that, yeah, fine click stop, just go ahead and click stop and forget it. And let's not even waste our time. Right. I mean, because if you're not willing, if you're not willing to help your marriage become great, then well, just that's fine. Prepare for the worst. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. I don't have to prepare. I'm already living it. I'm in the worst. Okay. Well, if you don't think it can get even more worse, There's some great English linguistics. It can, it can always get worse. So our willingness is trait number one that is required for success in anything, including our marriages. So with that, let's take off. And these are not in any particular order. I guess somebody could psychoanalyze me and say, well, yeah, they are. You put them in some order and you had a reason for it. Well, if I did, I, I'm not conscious of it. So it's chalk it up to my unconscious brilliance for the order that these are in. Number one, don't initiate. If your spouse does not initiate, wait until they do. And if they don't, well, that's how life's going to be now. This is a major generic way to wreck your marriage and it applies to everything in your marriage. And yes, that includes sex. Don't initiate. And if your spouse doesn't wait until they do. And if they don't, then just resign yourself that, well, I'm not going to, they're not going to, I'm not going to. So just make sure that your, your marriage is a, 
just this one big exercise in a stalemate. I've talked to so many people through the years and it's amazing. Nobody wins at that. I've asked the question. I've asked the question for decades. And so, you know, like, how's that working out? Well, it's it's not working out. I said, yeah, but you feel good, right? I mean, you're winning, right? I mean, cause you're not, you're not going to initiate anything. I don't care if it's sex or conversation or anything else, you know, she's not, and you're absolutely dead determined. You're not. So you're pretty proud, right? I mean, come on, you're winning. <laughs> and of course, then they just shoot daggers at me because they know I'm being a smart aleck, but it's true. I'm, I'm being a smart aleck with a point. Well, let's be fair. I'm always a smart aleck with a point. If you're going to be a really good smart aleck, and I think I am, you really want to have a point. So I do. I mean, uh, you're polishing up your trophies and your medals, right? Cause you're winning. You're showing her. <laughs> no, nobody's winning. You're both losing tremendously. You're losing, but it's fascinating to me how we do this. And I say, we, I'm including myself. We, we do this. I'm including myself. I, I'm, my marriage is not immune to these things now. Don't initiate. And if your spouse doesn't initiate, then wait until they do. And if they don't initiate, then you just stay the course. Don't give in. Do not give in. Don't be the first to blink. You don't want to blink. Well, she's not going to blink. Well, he's not going to blink. It doesn't matter. Don't you blink. (laughs) So we go go around with a, a blinkless marriage. That's great fun. Speaking of which, there's number two. Yeah, and you're already thinking, well, this is going to be a short episode. Well, it's about time, right? Number two, stop having fun. Stop showing off. Now, we are prone to stop wooing our spouse, and that includes showing off. And that is not just something that men do. Women do it too. In fact, well, just go to Instagram. (laughs) If Instagram, TikTok, and any other social media do not prove to you that women show off more to men than men show off to women, well, then I don't know how to convince you of this. Fact is, we're showing off for each other. Now, being comfortable is a great thing. The problem is being comfortable grows and becomes magnified into complacency, and complacency is not a great thing. It's just not. Now, don't confuse complacency and contentment. Complacency is, we're not even giving it effort. We're not even trying to get any better. We're just there. Men need to show off for women. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I have said for years, and anybody who's who's had little boys can, you, you've got empirical proof right in front of your eyes as you have raised little boys and heard every little boy on the planet including yours truly has hollered out for mom hey look at me hey watch this i'm not saying little girls don't do that but in my experience little girls don't do that anywhere near to the degree that little boys do it 
Now you can say, well, that's because little boys are insecure. Perhaps I don't know, but I do know, but I do know because, well, you're not going to love this, but yeah, faith's got something to do with it here and the way that God created us, which I believe, and I make no apologies for believing the creation story. God created us and you know what the Bible commands wives to do to respect their husbands. You know what it commands husbands to do to love your wife. And you're like, well, that seems odd. Seems odd. Why would God command a husband to love his wife? Because wives need comfort and security and safety. I'm not saying men don't need that, but women particularly need that. What do we need as guys? We need admiration. We need respect. And it's why every little boy, in my opinion, hollers out, Hey, mom, look at this. Hey, watch me do this. It's why teenage boys can act ridiculously foolish in front of teenage girls. They're showing off. Showing off. It's what we do. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of showing off to be dangerous but the kind of showing off that we do in order to woo one another that showing off that you did before you got married and that showing off that you did maybe in the early days of your marriage you know we stopped doing it we stopped doing it now let me give you the male perspective here because well i'm a guy so there's that i i i never was much of a show-off it's just kind of not so much in my nature as the introvert that I am. However, I know there's a difference in me in some settings and the difference that comes out in some settings is my humor. And sometimes that is suppressed and sometimes that is more outward facing and in a particular group, and I can't necessarily specify. It's just if the circumstances are right, if all the planets are aligned properly, then my sense of humor can be more forward. And I feel it. I, I, I feel it. I sense it. I know that it's happening. And I know that I'm in a little bit more of a show-off mode. But it doesn't happen all that often. It happened way more when we were dating than it does now. And I've been, I've, I've thought about this a lot and especially in, in recent, in recent days, uh, months and years. Uh, well, you know, now that you're old, right. I mean, you don't even, if, if you're old and you're thinking about showing off, probably not, it's just not becoming, you know, I, I, I got on YouTube and I'm sitting here and I'm watching, I've gotten really fascinated. I'm, I'm really, this is going to sound terrible. That's no, not going to sound terrible, terrible, but it's going to sound stupid. These, these little small motorcycles, I've, I've never had a motorcycle. I've never been that guy and I'm still not that guy, but these little scooters, Honda makes a couple of little scooters. One's called the monkey and one's called the Grom and they make that super scout or the super cub, whatever it is. It's super something. It's the, it's the number one selling vehicle of all time. This thing has sold, I think they said a hundred, a hundred million of these things have been sold globally. 
I mean, the, these are the little scooters. You you see them in every far eastern country. I mean, you see them. It's a little one cylinder, two valve, ridiculously stable, rock solid, just workhorse of of a little motor that Honda has made for since the fifties, and they have cranked out millions and millions of these things. Uh, these are fascinating little objects to, for me, and and I I I just love them. And if you hear this rumbling in the background, thunderstorm, we have the brewings of a thunder. Welcome to springtime in Texas. You may not be able to hear it, but if you do, and you're thinking, what in the world is that? Well, I just explained it to you. So no editing for me. I've been watching these videos of the, of these little things. Well, once you start the YouTube algorithm, once you start watching certain things, right, it starts suggesting a lot of other things. So it's presupposing that I have this motorcycle interest. I don't, I don't have a motor. The, I get that these are kind of so in quote unquote motorcycles, but I'm not, don't get me wrong. I like motorcycles. I don't like them that much. I don't, I'm not lusting after one. I don't want one. I, I, I would be horrified to ride one, but having a little, a little, not a scooter. These, these are throw your leg over the seat, kind of little motor. They're just little Mini motorbikes is what they are. These fascinate me. You know, these are 40, 50 mile an hour kind of things that you could tool around town. And no, I didn't get interested in this because of the current gas prices. Although it wouldn't be bad, right? I mean, if a a little tool around town kind of a thing that can go 40, 50 miles an hour and gets 140 miles to the gallon. I mean, what could be better? Right. And I've just been fascinated with them. And, and here's the interesting thing. And a lot of these people have got big bikes. I mean, they own big Harleys, they own big sports bikes, and then they own these kinds of little Honda scooters and they all to a man and a woman, they all talk about what a big smile it puts on their face, how much fun these things are. And I'm kind of fascinated by it. And I'm thinking, you know, I could do that. I, I could easily, I could jettison my car and I could easily have one of those things to just, to, to putter around, run errands, you know, because I, I, I'm not getting out on the highway day to day. I'm not commuting anywhere. I'm not. So I start watching these videos. Well, now YouTube starts recommending like these big motorcycle videos. So I click on one and the one I happened to click on was the because it happened just recently, the Daytona beach bike week or whatever it is. I don't know. I know about, I know about that. I know that's a big event. I also know about Sturgis, right? I mean, any moron knows that just so, so low is my interest in any of that stuff. I mean, it it would be difficult to say it could be lower, right? But I happen to click on one, the day, one of the Daytona beach things. Now, this is a, a particular guy who is walking with his camera and he is just showing all the bikes that are parked on both sides of the street. There are bikes. There's a stream of bikes going in both directions and that's predominantly what it is. And it's largely older people because well, the, some of the older people, they've got the money for these things. <laughs> But I'm looking at this and I'm thinking when it comes to this subject of having fun and showing off, 
And I'm like, you know, some of these guys and gals late in life doing that kind of showing off, it is just not becoming. (laughs) It is not becoming. It is just not becoming to see some guy with this monumental beer gut, you know, acting like he's all that and then some. And it's like, you know, dude, you know, wear a shirt with sleeves, you know, how about, why don't you put on a shirt that's got a collar? You know, that might, that might help you some. And then you got these guys. We've, we've got guys like that in the neighborhood here. Bald, but with a ponytail. It's like, you know, I know you think that looks good, but you're just wrong. You know, you're as wrong as you were when you were 13 and you thought whatever that look that you were throwing down, that that was a good look. (laughs) And it's just, it's just, it's just a, it's just a sea of humanity of people that are just like that. And so I think about stuff like that when I think about getting older and showing off. And so let's put some context to this one. And I'm spending way more time on this one than I did that first one because, well, because I want to. I'm not talking about that kind of showing off. I'm talking about us having fun and showing off to each other. If that makes sense. Now it's long been argued. Okay. Well, you know, we just let ourselves go and whatnot. And some of that is true. And some of that is not true. Some of that is just, we get older and metabolisms change and our bodies change. And it's just, it just is what it is. And, I would certainly hope that our marriages aren't so shallow that as we grow older, that it's like, well, you know, she's just not, she's just not the young woman that I married. Well, you're not the young man she married either. Newsflash. You know, I had hair when I got married and I've been shaving my head now for 20 years plus it happens. Okay, so I'm not I'm not talking about showing off when it comes to vanity. Because the first sentence of this second point is stop having fun. Now, I'm coupling with that, stop showing off. Because I do think that they can be, and not necessarily, but they can be joined together. And well, I'll just speak for myself. Having fun can get harder as you get older particularly because together as a couple, you've gone through your battles, right? You're, you're, you're just way more battle scarred over time than you were starting out. And when you were starting out, the battles were kind of first time, first time battles. And so you probably kind of jumped into the foxhole together figuratively or literally, and you both had each other's back and and you fought your way out of it. But when you've done that dozens of times, you just get tired, (laughs) you know, the battles, the battles just, they're, they're not, they're not fun anymore. You know, it just sucks the life out of you. I get it. I get it. I'm just saying lean hard into that and stop having fun and don't think about having fun and don't think about laughing and don't think about showing off to each other. Good way to wreck your marriage. 
really, really good way to wreck your marriage. Now I got to build upon what I said earlier about how God built us. Cause I think it's really important. Husbands love your wives. That's the command. Wives reverence or respect your husbands. That's a command, but it's deeper than that. It's deeper than that. in that it's an admonition for us to be for our spouse, what they need, what they crave. Now I can tell you as a guy, I know that it's very popular for us to live by the whole moniker, you know, just don't care what anybody thinks. And I can tell you truthfully, I kind of sort of naturally can embrace that except for one person. And I happen to be married to her, what she thinks about me and how she thinks about me and how she respects me or how in certain moments where I may not deserve it, she may not respect me. That matters to me enormously. I can't overstate it. And I can't fully explain it except she's just, she is the one person on the planet that it really, really matters. It just does. It just does. And I don't want to disappoint her. And it's a daily presence in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. It's a daily presence in my life. On the flip side, and I, I don't, I don't pull it off, but it's constantly with me. The other thing that's daily with me is that loving her. And I, and I do deeply. And I'm a hopeless romantic, so there's that. And I'm incredibly sentimental, so there's that. But I can get I can get moody. I've confessed to you before. I, I'm very, very prone to being blue. It's not a clinical depression. I can just I can just get in a blue mood. It doesn't mean that I'm pessimistic. I can just I can just feel sad. I can be, um, I would say morose. Yeah, I can, you know, just kind of hard to describe. And my introversion is magnified when that happens. I, I get even more quiet and it's not something that I plan. It's not, there's nothing strategic about it. There's no gamesmanship happening with me it just it happens and i just i have to really i have to really work to climb out of it now what rhonda does is she just leaves me alone and i'm not criticizing that because that's how she rolls and that's the other thing about this whole stop having fun and stop showing off component is understanding one another and realizing that you both have a default behavior so this is kind of a sidebar to this particular point. The second one, stop having fun, stop showing off. Completely forget or negate the fact that you're two different people and you have different default behaviors. I told you, man, we can add to this list all day long. And one component of that would be is judge your spouse based upon your default behavior, not theirs. So I've already added a new one here that I didn't even put in the show notes for today. 
but that can be super easy for us to do. Like I'm normally very communicative. I'm way more communicative than she is by default. However, I can get, I can get blue. I can just for whatever reason, you know, that kind of a mood can sweep over me and I just get quiet. I'm just, I'm just, it's not a trance, but it's trance like in that I'm just, I'm just in, in this place. I'm just in this thought, you know, I'm, it's like, I'm just physically not here. And I've either got to jolt myself out of that or something, or somebody's got to jolt me out of it. Her default behavior is not to jolt me out of it. Her default behavior is just leave well enough alone. Early in our marriage, I used to judge that. And I stopped doing that because I thought, you know, that's, this is terribly unfair. It's terribly unfair to judge her based on what my default behavior is, because that's not her default behavior. And by default behavior, I mean that place that we just naturally gravitate to that thing that kind of defines who and what we are, right? It's personality. It's, it's neither right nor wrong. It just is what it is. You know, I can't judge her for not being as communicative in that, and that paints the wrong picture. It's as though, okay, well, she doesn't communicate. No, that's not true. Of the two of us, I am far more verbal. And so my default behavior, when when that isn't happening, when I'm in this mode, this mood, and all of a sudden I'm not talking, she, she sensed it early on, understandably so, that I was angry at her. Had nothing to do with her. I can tell you 99 out of 100 times, I wasn't thinking about her. It, it wasn't that I, I wasn't blue or, or feeling in this, this mood because of her. It was just, it was its own thing, but she could internalize it and wonder, okay, well, what have I done? And me being the verbal person that I was, then I would always come back on the times that she would call me on it. I would say, you know me well enough to know, I, I tell you. I would absolutely tell you if I, I felt that way, right? But we have to kind of reassure one another, stop having fun, stop showing off. Okay. I threw in the bonus one, judge your spouse, your spouse on your default behavior, not theirs. So however you naturally roll, if they don't roll that way, judge them for it. It's another great way to wreck your marriage. Number three. Stop kissing each other. Good morning and good night. In fact, just how about we just stop it all together? Now, sometimes it happens for a variety of reasons, but I suspect they are all selfish. I have heard women articulate that their own self-loathing, the way that they viewed themselves hindered their desire to kiss their husband which when I first heard that and I was a young guy and I, I thought, well, I don't understand this at all. This makes no, now that I've gotten older, I've, I've come to understand it. I think a little bit better, but I would still argue that that's selfish. Well, I just, you know, the wife after 40 years of marriage, you know, doesn't, doesn't feel, doesn't feel attracted 
maybe doesn't feel like the husband is that interested. And so, yeah, they stop kissing each other. Good morning or good night or, or any time selfishness. And the truth is selfishness is the biggest enemy to our marriages period. I don't, yeah. People could say, well, infidelity and this and that. Yeah. I don't care. Selfishness. It's selfishness. You can talk about sex. You can talk about money. You can talk about anything you want to selfishness. Selfishness is the biggest enemy to our marriages, but it happens sometimes or it happens all the time. The good news is we get to choose how often or how little our selfishness happens. Stop kissing each other. Good morning. Stop kissing each other. Good night. Just kill that habit altogether. Again, let's go back to what I mentioned in the second one with stop having fun, stop showing off, getting comfortable so much so that complacency just kind of say we get in these routines and while I can argue, okay, kissing each other, good morning, kissing each other, good night is a routine. Uh, and it is, but it's a good routine. Somebody posted on social media today. How often do you, um, say, I love you to the people that you care about. It was on Twitter and I tweeted back constantly, constantly. And I do all the time, all the time. My son will be 42. And when he and I talk on the phone quite regularly, I'm going to say it, or he's going to say it. One of us is going to say it first. And then the other one is going to agree. We're, we're going to end every phone call with, I love you. Ditto with my wife. Uh, it's just how we roll. It's just how we roll. You know, I'm that guy who's fascinated by people who say, you know, I, they, they never heard, they never heard the men in their life. Tell them that they love them. I just, I, I don't, I don't get that. I really don't get that. Uh, or, or never got a hug. I, I don't get that either. There are these, these moments of showing affection and we can say, well, that's, that's routine. It, it may be routine, but it's good for you. So is eating by the way. And so is drinking. I mean, these are good things for you. <laughs> these are, these are things that you need to do with great regularity among other things. <laughs> so no harm, no foul in having a great routine. The apex of all of this, this is the big one, number four. Technically, it's number five because I mentioned that one about judging each other based on our default behaviors. That was a bonus one. So number four is give up. Stop caring. Yeah, just resign yourself that this is how it's going to be, and there's just not much you can do about it. In fact, there's nothing you can do about it. Just give up. Just give up and resign yourself. Be like Frank on Everybody Loves Raymond. I love the line and I use it often. Come on, Comet. <laughs> Just emblazon that on a t-shirt and wear it. No, wear a collared shirt and get a patch on the back that says, come on, Comet, and just live your life that way. That's, that's a surefire way to wreck a marriage. Might not end, might not end the marriage, but it can wreck the marriage. And in fact, you know, that's, probably a better way to go. Just have a miserable life. Lots of people do give up, stop caring. 
Have you ever been fascinated how people can, can grow to hate one another so, so passionately that however many years earlier, they, you know, they couldn't wait to start their life together. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. I don't, I don't fully understand it. Here's what I know. One or both didn't put in the work because relationships, marriages, especially their work. I, we've talked before about that meme that's going around, you know, choose your hard. Yeah. Having a great marriage is hard. Having a bad marriage is hard. Choose your hard. Yeah. Come on. The point of today's show is choose to make it better. Let's choose to make it great. Shall we don't initiate if your spouse does not initiate, wait until they do. And if they don't, well, just show them who's boss, make sure you win the trophy. Do not let them win. (laughs) Number two, stop having fun. Stop showing off for each other. The bonus one, be super judgmental. Judge your spouse according to your default behavior, not theirs. If you roll a certain way and they don't, judge them for it. Number three, stop kissing each other. Good morning. Don't kiss each other. Good night. Yeah. And we could incorporate with that, you know, the expression, the absolute expression. I love you. Yeah. Don't say that. I mean, whatever you do, do not say that. And certainly don't be the first to say that only respond with that. If they, if they go back to number one, only if they initiate and number four, give up, just stop caring. Just don't care anymore. It'll be a great way to go. (laughs) to wreck your marriage. You pumped? (laughs) No, I'm not going to say I'm sorry. There's another bonus one. We're up to six. Don't ever, ever, ever say you're sorry. (laughs) Never accept responsibility for anything that goes wrong. Make sure you always blame them. (laughs) It's never going to be your fault. Do not show a weakness there. Whatever you do, (laughs) never admit you're wrong, ever. (laughs) You know, the funny thing is, we can chuckle and we can laugh and we all know this stuff. We don't need some high dollar marriage counselor telling us this stuff, but yet sometimes we do need to hear it. And you just did. I'm happy to listen to your story. I'd like to hear it. I'd like to hear what's happening with you. And if you've got a great marriage, how you're pulling that off. And if you don't, uh, keep that to yourself. I just soon not hear it. I want you to have a good one. I'm trying to. 44 years, we're still working on it. LeaningTowardWisdom.com is the website. Greetings and welcome. Inside the Yellow Studio. <laughs> <laughs>